This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, whether that's Rovers throwing in a drab nil-nil in the Championship or taking Newcastle all the way to a penalty shootout in the fifth round of the FA Cup, You'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So, the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18+. plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When Cynthia came to TurboTax, she had just launched her new side gig, a true crime podcast. I'm a first-rate detective with a golden voice. As her TurboTax expert, I made her second income count by guaranteeing 100% accurate filing and her maximum refund. <clears throat> what did she do with that refund? Find out next week. Switch to Intuit TurboTax and make your moves count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. www.brfcs.com By the fans For the fans Since 1996 Welcome to BRFCS podcast number 77 I'm Wen Waihu, the BRFCS editor And with me in the virtual studio today is Chief Reporter Cammy. This is an end-of-season roundup for you, and we're going to be uh, looking at the run-in to the uh, final game of the season uh, just a couple of days ago uh, against Wigan. Um, we are currently on an unbeaten run of 12 games. It stretches all the way back to the Bournemouth match uh, on 12th of March. And we'll be going through those uh, 12 games and uh, assessing uh, our uh, end-of-season run and also looking forward to uh, next season and uh, discussing one or two things uh, with regards to uh, the manager and uh, club management. First of all, I'd just like to welcome in Cammy. How are you, Cammy? Morning, Red. I'm fine. How are you? Yeah, pretty good. Not too bad at all. And I believe you're going to be covering all of the playoffs this uh, next couple of weeks. Yeah, the next week is uh, mega busy because the uh, playoffs, uh, all divisions... So I'm going to be a bit busy with that, really. Uh, it's a quick turnaround with the playoffs this time round. I think, for example, the championship one, uh, what the first legs are this coming Thursday and Friday, and then the second legs are the Sunday and Monday. So it's a really tight turnaround, I think, uh, mainly because of the World Cup, etc. So it's going to be a, a busy, busy next 10 days or so. Mm. Yeah, pity you're not going to be covering the Rovers. Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> uh, well, you know my viewpoints, I've said all along that we wouldn't get into top six, but uh, obviously with the last month where the teams above us have given us ample opportunity uh, to nick that six spot, um, it, I am gutted, to be honest. Um, I, all season I thought we wouldn't get there, but we were given this amazing chance to actually nick that six spot and... You know, we've had numerous opportunities, which we're going to discuss later on, and we've just blown it. Uh, it's been uh, a real big disappointment um, um, when, when you look at the opportunities that we've had, particularly in the last three or four weeks. Yeah, um been saying for a while that uh, really we need to uh, be looking to 76 points, and uh, certainly um, 74 to 76 should have been the target. Um, as it is, uh, we've ended up on 70 points. Uh, we've had a pretty decent run in and uh, three wins on the bounce for the first time in half a decade, I think. Uh, got six wins and six draws, which is 24 points, which is pretty darn good. And uh, we've managed to score 31 goals in 12 games, uh, 20 against, which is uh, um, a little bit too many. And uh, only failed to score once uh, against Yeovil and uh, 
perhaps that was uh, a real killer in terms of uh, our playoff aspirations. Um, I think uh, pretty much everyone recognises that there are three main games where we've dropped points where we really should have done better. Um, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good way. Uh, well, the first thing to do is to look at, I think the key key thing here is um, the start of the season where we picked up 15 points from our opening 12 games, I think. 15 or 18. And I think it's 15 I read somewhere. 15 from the opening 12 games. So, you know, that was one of the reasons why we, we've ended up short. But like you said, I think the three games that come to mind in the last four weeks or so are... Uh, the Brighton home game, the Sheffield Wednesday away game, and the Yeovil home game on on Good Friday. Uh, in those, we drew all three, so in effect they were part of the unbeaten run. But um, those six points that were dropped, uh, in my opinion, are the reason why we, we missed out um, on 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 uh, your top six uh, spots. Um, even if we'd picked up. Uh, four points from them, that would have put us uh, uh, into the playoffs by two clear points. So it was, um, I think it's a good way to start, really. So if you go back to the Brighton game, uh, it was a 3 old draw um, with us um, taking the lead, I think, on 80, 89 minutes, uh, possibly even 90, um, uh, with the Jordan Rhodes penalty. Um, so you think, well, we've, we've, nicked, we've nicked three points here, uh, only for Brighton to um, go up the other end and straight from almost kickoff, really, uh, Kamikaze defending and and they got a, an, an equaliser, so that was two points dropped. Um, then it was the Sheffield Wednesday away game. It was uh, on the anniversary of of Hillsborough, so it was quite an emotional occasion. But um, going into the last, I think, fifteen minutes, we were three one up and looking comfortable. Uh, we really should have uh, been further ahead, and then there again we conceded a stupid goal um, and let Sheffield Wednesday back into the game. They were three-two, and then we did hold on until the last thirty seconds uh, of of the game. I think we had an opportunity actually to clear the ball, um, and we didn't, and lost it, lost the ball, and uh, Sheffield Wednesday got a. a of equaliser 30 seconds before the end of injury time. So there was another two points drop. And then for me, as disappointing was the Good Friday game at home against Yeovil. You have to remember Yeovil were at the bottom of the table. Um, and really, uh, in 90 minutes, to not really test the Yeovil goalkeeper um, in a in a key game, particularly as on that day, uh, Reading and um, Brighton and Forest at the time, all our uh, playoff contenders, you know, the, the ones who, uh, we were fighting with, were all losing. So that was a, a real killer game, I think. I don't think the Yeovil keeper would have had an easier afternoon than, than he did at Ewood. Uh, we were flat. We were uh, seemed disinterested. The tactics from Boyer were bizarre. You know, it seemed to be in the last 10 minutes, it almost looked like we were trying to hold on for the point instead of going going for it, you know, do or die, go get everyone on, get King on and get, you know, forwards on and really put some pressure on Yeovil, risk losing because in the end, the point was near, neither here nor there. We, we had to win that game and uh, it was a really, really flat performance and uh, weird tactics and um, you know just missed out on uh, some easy well not easy points but we gave away two points I think uh, to, to Yeovil by not uh, putting any concerted pressure on them over 90 minutes and they keep having really nothing to deal with uh, for the entire game so so those six points when I think um, in the last four weeks uh a big reason as to why, you know, obviously we're not, we're, our season's over and, um, you know, the likes of Brighton have managed to get that sixth spot. Yes, very much so, very much so. 
Um, you were saying there about the Oval match. Um, there were. Uh, in, in fact, sorry, when in fact we did it. Even if we just held on against uh, Brighton, you know, hmm. we would have, would have. Yeah, yeah we, we would have. We would have we, just missed out on goal difference. I think. Would we have missed out? Yeah, because we would have had two. But they would have got that point, would they? So they would be on seventy-one, and we would have got the additional two points. So no, we would have. We would have won it by a point. Because they're currently they're two points ahead of us at the moment. Oh, sorry, that's yeah. including yeah, yeah, that's including the uh, the the point that they got against us. Yes, so yeah. If we if we take that point off them and add two to our total, then yeah, we would have done it by a point. Yes, that's right. Yeah, <sighs> unbelievable, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's getting worse, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah when you right. think of it in in that manner, it's really forget Yeovil and Sheffield Wednesday. Then it was just that game. Where we took the lead very late on through a Lord's penalty, and to concede one from uh, you know uh, pretty much kick off, mm. you know, crazy, absolutely crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the head, the heads to head, um, yeah, are always key, um, key to, to like, key to anything. And you can go, you yeah. can go back to you know if you want, you can go back to Wigan, Wigan away where we. Uh, uh, we're one nil up, and uh, Grant Hanley got sent off. I lost yeah. that. Um, I think that was another yeah. late goal, injury time goal. Mm. That we can, you know, there've been a lot. I mean, obviously, every team in the all twenty three teams will have had these games. We're not. It's not just exclusive to us. You know, I'm sure all of them. Reading will be looking back at games where you know they've they've dropped points, and so it, it's not just exclusive to us. It's to everyone. But I think it's a, just a bit. You know, Boy has made uh, really good progress this year, I think. And it, some of it's been, the gloss has been taken off purely because we've had these opportunities at the end of the season. And rightly, there's disappointment now. We haven't we haven't grabbed that sixth spot. But, you know, generally, if you look at things, um, you know, where we were 12 months ago on the pitch to where we are 12 months later on the pitch, we're in a far healthier position, I think, uh, that's just the on the pitch stuff. Not, I'm not talking about debt or anything. Just in terms of the playing staff and the way we're playing, etc. We're in a far better position than we were uh, 12 months ago. Yeah. In terms of uh, performances, uh, performance levels, um, the the last uh, 12 12 games uh, where we've been unbeaten, uh, have the performance levels been uh, considerably better than? Uh, in uh, early parts of the season? Yeah, I think so. I think it's, uh, I suppose it's a development thing, you know, where, you know, we've had a, if you look at a team that played Wigan last year to the team that played this year, you know, we've got so many new players, you know, Keane, I know he's on, on loan, uh, Kil, Kilgallen, um, you know, with Tommy Spur, he's not playing uh, last few games, but he's another new one. Then Caddy, Evans, Conroy, Marshall, Gastede, you know, th- th- and I'm sure there's others that I've missed off, you know. Um, so if you look at the the squad, it's not been together for more than a year. And so you can see the development over the season, whereas at the start of the season, it was a new squad. They were getting to know each other. The style of play was being put together and it was a much very much a work in progress uh, if you could look back to the first 12-15 games and then if you look to the last 12 games uh, you can see they've started to come together as a team they're playing much more uh, as a unit in terms of going forward and obviously defensively we haven't been the best but despite conceding all those goals we're still unbeaten you know uh, so so they've that'll give them confidence uh, that, that what we've done in the last 12 games in this league to go 12 unbeaten is it's not easy it's a really tough league anyone's capable of beating anyone so so although a lot have been draws you know we've 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 done well i think the stat that i was looking at um the first 29 games uh when we had uh, sorry the first 23 games we picked up 31 points and from the last 23 games we've picked up uh, 39 points. So you know you, you've seen uh, a, a difference of eight points um, over the last 23 games. So I think the team's developing and it's becoming 
it's coming together. I think a style of play has been worked on. Obviously, there's areas of work that are needed, particularly. Uh, we What we seem to do is we can either draw nil-nil, <laughs> you know, where he goes ultra-defensive, and we, work, we but then we don't look much of an attacking threat, or we go positive and we play well. Uh, players are given a little bit of license, and we tend to win games 4-3, 3-2, you know, we, we, we score a lot and we concede a lot. That's what's been uh, particularly prevalent uh, in the last 12 games. We've had a few, like, nil-nil draws or 1-1 one, one, or, you know, we looked all right defensively. Then there's punctuated with games 3-all, you know, 4-3, you know, 3-2, etc., etc. So I think um, defence definitely shape needs to be worked on. But generally, I think in the second half of the season, we've seen the development in the team and they're starting to get together, you know, they've been by the time uh, we start next season, you know, uh, some of these players will, will be would have been here for a year or so. So, hopefully, uh, with a good pre-season behind them, we can we can carry on uh, from from where we finished off this year. Yeah. Now, uh, for the last uh, few games, uh, we had what many uh, fans were were hoping for. That was uh, Tom Kearney coming inside into the centre of midfield uh, alongside uh, Corey Evans. Um, how did they work together in the last uh, few matches? Yeah, I mean, well, uh, I think, first of all, uh, a key point uh, that Kenny raised uh, after the uh, Wigan game, uh, he was on Radio Rovers and uh, he thanked everyone for um, uh, him being made play, uh, fans player of the year. But the key thing to me he said was that there's a lot more to, to come from him because, and this is his words, the majority of the season he's been played out of position. So that's him, him saying it himself. I don't think he sees himself as a winger. He's not very quick. And in a modern game, you know, wide players, you need uh, a bit of pace, I think. And he's not very quick. And he seems to get frustrated in games uh, when he's out wide because he doesn't see enough of the ball. Whereas, And then what he starts doing is drifting inside and then what happens is because he's drifted inside, that allows the opposition fullback uh, to, to break forward. And sometimes they get two on one with our our fullbacks. So he's done a job there, but I don't think he, he's quite as happy playing there. He obviously sees himself as a centre midfielder, and that's where I see him. You know, he's when he's playing in the middle. The last few games, you know, he's he's he comes short. He takes the ball. He sets up a lot of our attacks. He he. Um, um, does it's the tempo of the game? He sets the tempo of our game, and um, you know, he's. I think he he scored a couple of goals as well. You know, against Charlton, and he scored absolute cracker against uh, Wigan uh, because he's playing in central midfield. Corey Evans playing the holding run allows uh, Kenny to get a bit further up the pitch and and cause some damage there. So, so I really, really think centre midfield is his strongest position. Uh, uh, obviously, he does have some. You know, we play. Say, if we play a four-four-two, he might not be the most defensive-minded, but I think he can do a job in there. And with Corey Evans alongside him, Corey's more disciplined. So I think them two as a combination can work really well. And you know, for me, the next season, what I'd like to see is a midfield of Evans and Kenny in the middle, Conway on one side, and Marshall or King on the other side. That'll be that should be our starting. Uh, midfield, if we're going for a four-four-two, like we've we've done uh, towards the end of this season, so so yeah, uh, I, I honestly believe centre midfield is the best position for me for him and the one where he can impact the most. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, going forward, uh, got a lot of pace there with uh, Conway, King, and uh, Marshall. It'd be interesting just to see hear what you think. Um, we're playing four four two at the moment. If, for example, uh, we just played the the one up front and uh, had uh, had them supported on the flanks by, say, Conway and uh, King or Marshall, um, what would you say to having a, um, a either a, a holding midfielder in or a box to box midfielder? So uh, you know that would leave uh, Kearney to to roam and probe. Yeah, I mean, if you play one up front, then yeah, um, if you have someone like Jason Law playing behind, you know, so you're playing in effect a 
four defenders, one holding midfielders, four midfielders, and one striker with with um, the midfielders uh, Corey Evans uh, sticking to his position and and Kenny having a free role. Yeah, I mean obviously that can work. Um, and I, I, you know maybe away from home in some some games where. You know the opposite. Like for example, you're playing one of your fellow top six sides, and you want to go just a little bit more defensive. Then, then I think I think that's a a, a good formation to be playing where we can use our pace. Uh, you know, against the better sides who you're at home, uh, oh, sorry, away from home, who will come and attack you, and you know you've got to be a bit more tough bit more resolute and then hit them on the break and on the counter attack. I mean you've got people like King, Marshall, Conway in your side, they can they can they can do that. The, the pace that they have can be a, a real big weapon on the counter attack. And then if you have Kenny uh, with a free roll from the central midfield, um, I think that can definitely work, yeah. Um, and then uh, you know we've got Rudy or Rhodes really, even Jordan, he's not his you know, he's done well for us. He scored a lot of goals for us when he's been playing up front alone. Um, so Rudy or Rhodes up front on their own, that 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 can definitely work. Yeah. Now, uh, Tom Kearney, as you say, has been voted the fans' player of the season. Jordan Rhodes has uh, managed to get the 25 goals up for the season. Uh, but uh, it's his partner, attacking partner, Rudy Gested, who's had a, a fantastic end to the season. Um, he's... Uh, uh, got another two on the final day even. Um, who who do you think has been the player of the season yourself? Uh, I mean, I voted for Tom Kearney, I think. Uh, he, he's the kind of player that we've been crying out for since two guy left, uh, a technically gifted midfielder. And uh, so, yeah, for that reason, even though he's been playing out of position, he's He's been the one that's impressed me consistently or throughout the season. For me, it was a toss-up uh, between him and Tommy Spur. I, th- I think Tommy's been real solid at left back uh, throughout the season. He's, you know, it was a problem position for us last year, if you remember, you know, where Martin Olsen wasn't really playing that well uh, at times. So that was a problem position for us, and Tommy Spurs come in and. Uh, not many had heard about him, and he's come out and he's like your seven out of ten each week. <laughs> you know, very very consistent. So it was a toss up between him and Kenny for me, and I, I voted for Kenny because of his technical ability and the way he's been a- able to influence uh, games uh, in a, in a positive manner. So so he he was my uh, player of the year. And. You know how long was I about Rudy Gestead? Because after the first game, yeah. I tweeted, I tweeted that <laughs> Rudy Gestead is a downgraded version of Leon Best, <laughs> and uh, I'm absolutely delighted. He's rammed those words down my throat mm. because he's been nothing short of sensational. Red, uh, uh, unbelievable in the last nine or ten games. He's he's unplayable at times. Um, you know. The two games you know, we played QPR, where they had Richard Dunn and even Wigan uh, uh, this last uh, uh, Saturday, where they had Caldwell. These are big, tough defenders. You know, six foot plus, like the physical battle. He destroyed QPR on his own. Uh, the QPR centre back, especially Richard Dunn, who is a real physical defender, mm. could not deal with him. Absolutely, could not deal with him. He was absolute havoc. Uh, at the back and same again against Wigan uh, Coldwell who's a very experienced again does not mind a physical battle uh, uh, and they, they could not they could not cope with him uh, you know prior to joining Rovers I think he'd only scored 17 goals in his entire career mm. <laughs> and uh, you know Cardiff fans were saying he's a bit of a donkey as well uh, but he's come here and he's been nothing so short of sensational and I think You've got to give a lot of credit to Boyer and his coaching staff because they've seen something in him and they've set the team up in some way which really plays to Rudy's strengths. And, and you know, that's why he's got those goals and uh, really should have had a hat-trick again on, 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 uh, against Wigan. He, he missed a, 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 an easy chance towards the end, but a uh, real big plus for me and uh, a guy who's got a... If he can 
carry on playing the way he has been, he's going to be a massive player for us next year. Yeah, um, looking forward to seeing uh, uh, Rudy and also uh, Conway uh, in the flesh uh, yeah. in, in the new season. Um, the, the other, the other good thing I've seen just in the last seven or eight games, mm. Rudy and and Rhodes seem to be developing a partnership. It's taken a while, uh, but now they seem to be getting an understanding. I've seen good examples of them linking up where Rudy's flicked on both Rhodes read it or or Rhodes got it into his feet and played it off to Rudy and there's been a few good signs of them two uh, getting a partnership together. It's taken a, a bit longer than I think most of us would have expected but they seem to be getting there and hopefully we keep hold of Rhodes. Um, there's a contract on the table. Um, he hasn't signed it yet but um, I think you just see what develops over the summer uh, but uh, maybe in July uh, he may decide to, to to sign that. There is a contract on the table for him and an extension. He hasn't signed it yet. That doesn't mean he's leaving or anything, but quite rightly he's just you know waiting to see what happens over the summer and then hopefully in July, if there's no real serious interest from any Premier League teams, hopefully um, he'll, he'll sign that new contract. Mm. Yeah. Hasn't he just signed one very recently? Does he get a new contract every every time he scores a few goals or what? <laughs> no, he was, uh, it's been going on since January. Yeah. Uh, they wanted him to sign it. He, he didn't sign the contract. He didn't sign that, I see. No, I see. no, there was no no deal. Just been some talks going on. You're No, no pressure on him, really. Just Rovers wanted to, to see... Look, you've done really well. You've know, scored all these goals, and we want to offer you a slightly improved deal. Um, and and I think it's pretty much on the table for him. And just waiting over the summer to see what happens. You know, you know, with Venkis and their decision making, any player would want to <laughs> see what they do over the summer before committing. Um, so uh, and you know, maybe he thinks there might be a Premier League club in for him, um, but. Um, I think we've just got to wait and see and then hopefully come July there hasn't been any major interest in him from one of the Premier League teams and, and he'll sign a new contract. That's good, yeah. Uh, just looking at all those uh, new faces, um, yeah, I think that's uh, been the big plus of, of this season that uh, Gary Boyer and his team have identified good players uh, for this level who are capable of take, taking us up to to a new level. Um, I mean, we've just run this uh, uh, back or sack thread with the poll over the last few weeks, and um, I think the, the the reasons for for wanting him sacked are, are fairly clear. But uh, the um, I think e- even the people who are saying you know maybe he should stand aside, even they're saying. Uh, that uh, you know that he has has got a good eye for uh, uh, for for young talent uh, that he's done well to to bring people in. Uh, in terms of uh, backing and sacking, you were uh, quite clear um, in your article that uh, you thought that he needed to be given uh, another uh, another season and uh, uh, another couple of transfer windows to get his own squad together. Yeah, I mean. I'm a big Gary Boyer fan. Um, I think people who follow me on Twitter will, will 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 know that I've backed him all really since he became caretaker manager. Uh, I've seen him, the work that he's done with the youth teams and the reserves teams, um, you know, at first hand. Um, so I've always known that, well, I've always been a big fan of him. Um, so, I, you know, my viewpoint is still the same. I think he, he's done a, a good, really good job in terms of what his objectives were this year, which was firstly to get rid of all the overpaid players that weren't really performing. I think he's started that process. There's still some there. Then to bring in players uh, on a limited budget. And I think he's done fantastic uh, in, in that regard. You know, he, he's but well, I think we've talked about a lot of those players already. He's, he's really improved the squad. Um, we're much better than we were uh, in uh, uh, you know 12 months ago in terms of the playing squad. And then he was to um, move us up the table. And um, you know, he's in the end he's improved us by 12 points. We had 58 last year. We've got 70 this year, and we've 
obviously just missed out on the playoffs. Um, so I think those were his three objectives, and he's he's delivered on on all of them. Now there have been points in this in the season where he's been naive, um, particularly tactically. I, I absolutely accept that argument. There have been times in games where he's tactically been naive, where you know either we've been winning games and opposition managers have made changes and he's been too slow to react. Uh, that's an absolute valid criticism. It's one that I agree with. Um, there were games where we've dropped points because of uh, his inflexibility in terms of tactics or reacting too late. So, so that that's absolute um, uh, valid criticism. And you know, there have been games where uh, you know we've not been positive enough. He's been a bit too negative. You know, Yeovil comes to mind uh, straight away. So, so again, those are absolute all valid criticisms and ones that. I, you know, I entirely agree with, but I think he needs to be given at least uh, this transfer window to carry on the work that he's been doing in terms of rebalancing the squad, and then he needs to be given a, a chance into next year, season to see if he pushes on. You know, he's he's improved us this year in terms of twelve points, and now he needs to push on again next year, and he needs to get off to a good start. Absolutely, you know, if he if you get off to a very poor start, then he will be under pressure again. And again, uh, that's absolutely no problems because he's had a squad together for 12 months then and you, you, you're reasonable to expect a better start than what we had this year. So, um, you know, I, I'm absolutely uh, back him and uh, hopefully he can carry on the good work throughout the summer and, uh, uh, you know, rebalance the squad as, uh, as he has done throughout this year. And then, needs to get off to a good start next year and and you know uh, um, move us on from from where we were this year and and uh, if we can then we've got a good chance of uh, challenging for a top six even a top two spot next year and and I don't think he's going to be sacked as well uh, um, he's been invited out to Pune he'll be going there in the next couple of weeks and uh, as we know Venkis don't like to do they won't sack someone face to face so I think he will be given um, an opportunity uh, to 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 lead us into next season. Yeah, yeah. Um, we we asked uh, in the poll whether uh, Gary Boyer should continue as manager of Blackburn Rovers. Uh, I I closed the poll uh, just after the Wigan match. Um, unfortunately, the software uh, for the forum uh, m- means that we have to actually shut the thread down in order to uh, close the poll. But, uh, the discussion is going on in another thread. But uh, basically we had roughly 27% uh, who were saying either sack immediately or, or, or replace him at the end of the season. Uh, then a review of his position at the end of the season was uh, again uh, almost the same, around about 27%. Uh, and then uh, full backing to manage next season was 40%. Um, with uh, just a five and a half percent, not sure. He did get a, a really good reception from pretty much all parts of the ground at the end of uh, the the match against Wigan. Mm. Um, you know when they do the traditional lap of honour, so to speak, yeah. to thank the fans. Um, uh, they interviewed uh, Gary on the pitch, and at the end of his uh, interview, he got a pretty much fantastic reception from all parts of the ground so mm. you know i think generally the feeling is people are happy with uh you know, or or happier with things than they were 12 months ago and that was reflected in the reception that you got from the vast majority of fans as well so yeah. i don't think there's any big push from the fans to sack him at this stage because most people can see we have made progress this year but having said that there will obviously a large proportion of fans want us want him to learn from the mistakes that he's made this year and to push us on next year. And I think that's absolutely the the, the right you know, way to be. Uh, except that he's done a good job. Except that he has made mistakes this year, and hope <laughs> that he can push us on next year and learn from from some of the mistakes that he's made this year. Maybe you know with a year's experience. As a full-time manager, he'll be better for it next year as well. 
yeah. A lot of it, um, one of my friends, he's a Leicester fan and he visits our forum quite a bit. And uh, I met up with him uh, last week. He was in Manchester, so we, we met up for lunch. And he was saying a lot of what our forum is doing this at this stage of the season is pretty much what Leicester fans were were doing last year. You know where they lost it, they got into the playoffs and lost in the playoffs. But there was a lot there was saying that Nigel Pearson uh, has cocked up and maybe should be removed. We should have gone up. We've had all these opportunities. Uh, we didn't push on throughout the season and. Uh, they had a terrible run towards the end of the season and, and in the end uh, just about sneaked into the playoffs when they were looking good for a top two finish. So he was saying it reminds them a lot of, of, of what Leicester fans were saying 12 months ago. But uh, Pearson was saying, look, he'd only had that squad together for 12 months and, and um, he, he needed that extra bit of time over the summer. And he, he said that they would be better for the experiences, and you know, as we've seen this year, they pushed on and got 102 points. So, and there's a, a lot of Leicester fans looking stupid. Uh, uh, you know, there was a much stronger feeling from uh, some Leicester fans to, uh, to get uh, Pearson out. So he was saying a lot of them are eating humble pie now because uh, you know he's obviously he had his squad together for. Tw- nearly two years and he's, he's got them promotion so he, he was saying a lot of correlations between what some Leicester fans were saying last year to, to what some of our fans are saying this year so you know hopefully we get the same kind of result <laughs> yeah. as what Leicester had yeah. I mean um, purely on the football front uh, I think those kind of stories uh, uh, will be echoed around the country but uh, what makes it different in our case is uh, our precarious position. And uh, obviously many people have been uh, concerned that uh, we've been on the verge of going into administration. Um, for the last few months there's been a discussion of that. Uh, now we heard um, certainly at the end of the year, beginning of, uh, of 2014, uh, I had heard uh, very strong, uh, not so much rumours, uh, but uh, uh, very strong um, inklings, shall we say, that uh, we could be going into administration in March. Uh, now, at the same time, uh, you, Kami, uh, had been getting information direct from Pune to say that nothing would be happening until the end of uh, the season in May. Um, but uh, Conflicting information over the last three years is nothing new, and uh, it just made everyone extremely nervous about uh, uh, the whole situation. Uh, we were led to believe that it may well be a case of uh, go up or go bust. Uh, in the end, we haven't gone up, and so there's still going to be people who are uh, still worried that uh, the other part of the formula, the go bust part, could still hit us. Um, now, we discussed this uh, a couple of podcasts ago about uh, administration and possible takeovers. Uh, what's, what's your latest uh, news on, on that situation? Um, obviously, uh, I, I said, like you said, in January, my information was that um, we wouldn't be going into administration in March and that the, what had been decided was that the, the, that would get to the end of the season and then the great and the good from Ewood would be invited to Pune for meetings with the owners. Pretty much what happened last year. Uh, if we rewind back 12 months, they went out to Pune. Whatever was discussed, you know, Boyer was given the job on a 12-month rolling contract as a result of those meetings. There were objectives set in terms of wage budget cuts and transfer budgets etc and um, you know they were told to get on with it and we'll see you in 12 months and that's what's happened you know 12 months later they've hit those targets I think uh, in terms of reducing the wage budget uh, budget and uh, replacing some of the players uh, with with your cheaper alternatives and they've that's worked out really well for us and now they'll be going back to Pune and They'll be having meetings with the owners and obviously decisions will be made 
in terms of what happens next. Um, honestly, in my contact in Pune is uh, a, a really senior person within Venkis, and even he doesn't know what's going to happen next. Now, that doesn't mean we're going into administration or we're going into uh, we're going bust or anything. He said literally nothing has been decided and no one knows what's going to happen next. But I think what will happen is obviously Shaw and you know Cheston and a few of the other people will go out to Pune. There'll be a meeting with the owners. Boy will be involved and they'll make decisions from there on. Um, my gut feeling is I think they'll give it another year. I think they'll may decide to fund it for a, uh, another year and because uh, we've just missed out on the playoffs, they may think, well, look, we, we've, you know, and they've managed to cut the wage budget, etc. They may decide, right, let's give it another year and see if we can get back up again. If we don't do it in 12 months, then we'll, we'll decide the next step then in terms of the future ownership of the club. Uh, that's just not based on any information. That's just my gut feeling. So I think they'll go out and they'll may just give it another year and see if they can carry on running the club in its current state and and uh, you know give Boyer some uh, limited finance over the summer and uh, particularly if you can get rid of the likes of Etuhu uh, and uh, Best uh, you know and some of the other players even if they go out on loan etc then uh, maybe uh, you know there'll be some more money freed up on the on the wage budget as well so uh, the, the real answer to your question, Ren, is I don't think anyone knows what's going to happen next. Uh, I think they'll all be decided in these uh, next two or three weeks with, with the meetings in Pune. And really, that <laughs> our fate for the next 12 months will be, uh, and the way we perform, etc., will be decided in these meetings. That will be you know, obviously happening um, in, in, in the next two or three weeks. We will be getting some money in. Uh, Scott Dan uh, transfer to Crystal Palace uh, included uh, uh, a good bonus in there if he helped uh, Palace to stay up and obviously he's played a key role in them uh, retaining their Premier League status so there will be some money coming in from that um, and uh, I think the, the other interesting one to watch is Stephen Nzonzi um, who's done quite well for Stoke this year, uh, he could well be on the move. Um, and again, if if there's some profit made, which I'm pretty certain there will be, for, uh, and then Stoke uh, will, will have to pay us some, some of that money. Because I do believe there's um, uh, you know, a sell-on clause uh, in, in the Onzonzi deal. So we could well be seeing some money coming in uh, from... Um, you know, two, two sources. As you were saying there, Mike Cheston uh, will be uh, probably going over to Pune as uh, his position as financial director. Uh, Rovers, uh, compared with a year ago, have, have now got uh, something approaching a an executive structure. Um, Mike Cheston and Alan Myers have been brought in recently, uh, but we haven't heard uh, much about uh, either of them. And uh, Alan Myers, other than through Twitter, um, hasn't uh, really made any communications to, to, to speak of. Um, I think he was going to be organising a, a tea party. Did anything come of that? Uh, I mean, I, nothing's come of the tea party. Maybe it's something that they'll do in pre-season. Um, and like you said, he's been um, communicating via Twitter and he's been communicating with fans face to face. A lot of people seen him before the game. They've had chats with him. He's been communicating via email. Um, um, in terms of people have contacted him, and um, I've seen. Um, obviously, I see the press side of things. Uh, so the the way that press are dealt with uh, is far more professional now. And uh, some of the press statements coming out, there's a definitely a different uh, tone in them. Obviously. A uh, bit more um, professional, I think. So, so we have on the press side of things seen uh, a marked difference in the way the club deals with with us. Um, and 
uh, I think via Twitter and face-to-face and email, um, I think uh, Alan's been um, communicating directly with fans, particularly people who are disgruntled about things. So uh, while publicly probably haven't noticed too much difference, behind the scenes, I think uh, things are uh, a lot different um, in terms of um, the, the way he deals with, with, with the with fans and uh, the press, so I think he's starting to make a slight, you know, uh, a difference. That's not to say things are perfect. Uh, a lot of work needs to be done on that side of things, um, and hopefully over the summer when he's got a bit more time uh, uh, to, to work on things, um, uh, we'll, we'll we'll see a big difference next year. Mm-hmm. Good, good. And uh, Alan Myers um, is, is coming for some criticism from. Rovers fans because of his uh, Everton links and uh, uh, he was still tweeting about Everton uh, even from his club account Twitter account um, has that stopped now? Yeah I mean I haven't seen anything Everton related from his Rovers account uh, recently so I think he's taken that on board um, and maybe set up a, a different account uh, for his Everton. I don't have any problems with him being an Everton fan you know we've got lots of people working at the club who um, don't, you know, Rovers aren't, they're not fans of Rovers, um, you know, and it'd be wrong if he came and said, oh, I'm a big Rovers fan now, just because I'm working. That's a job, that's his professional capacity, then that's fine. Uh, obviously, if he's got his Rovers account, it's not good to be uh, doing Everton stuff from 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 that account, that's his Rovers account, and, then, and you know, maybe he should stick to Rovers on there, but if he's got... Another account where he does Everton stuff, absolutely no problems with that whatsoever. Um, you know, personal and professional um, lives, you know, we all have that. And, um, you know, as long as it maybe does it from a different account, I per- personally don't have any problems with that. Yeah, so I think it's taken a little bit of time for him to bed in at the Rovers, but hopefully he's uh, getting uh, getting accustomed to uh, uh, the way things are down at Ewood. Um just to round up today uh, by looking ahead, now you've mentioned a, a few of our playing staff that you'd uh, expect to be leaving uh, during the summer. Um, what about incoming transfers? Uh, do you have some kind of wish list um, that, uh, that you know, you'd like to see coming into to Ewood? Yeah, in terms of names, no, I don't. I Probably, you know, I don't have a wish list, to be honest. If someone had said to me at the start of last season, you know, we'd have people like Conway, Kenny, Evans, Spur, you know, those were relatively unknown names to me. I'd seen Evans and Kenny for Hull, but they weren't really on on any radar. So, so yeah, in terms of names, um, I I don't have any names, but position-wise, I think we definitely need to strengthen at the back. Uh, We need a right back. um, if we can get Keen back on loan, then I'm quite happy with that. I think he's he's done done well for us, and he can play right back and he can play centre back. So if we can re- get a, a new loan deal for him, that sort that position out. I think uh, possibly need another centre half, uh, an experienced centre half. But we've got Jack O'Connell coming back from Rochdale, where he's had a highly successful season with them. I think he was the club captain as well. By the end, he'd, he'd done that well on loan. So he's obviously someone who I've championed on this podcast uh, all season. Really, I think he's. I've seen him develop through the youth teams and uh, you know the reserve teams, etc. And uh, you know Rochdale fans uh, who sort of forums and stuff that I've visited. He's getting rave reviews on there. Obviously, it's League Two, so it's a big jump from there to Championship. But uh, he's. He's he's one that I've got high hopes for. Um, so hopefully he come back and he can challenge as well. Uh, in uh, midfield, I th- I think we've got a lot of good defensive midfielders, uh, you know. But we haven't really we've got Kenny and Dunn in the centre midfield area who are creative. So we could do with uh, one more in there who's creative, someone who can box to box, who can get in. Uh, the opposition area and nick a few goals or cause havoc in there. So so that'll be another area. I think out wide we're okay now. I think you need four wingers, I think. And you know, we've got uh, Conway, Marshall and King who are absolute first 
starters, you know, all, all three, any of them three playing, you know, uh, their first team. And then we've got Alan Judge, who will be coming back from loan, and Chris Taylor. So, you know, I think we're well stocked uh, in, in the wide area, so I don't think we need to, to worry about that. And then up front, uh, we've got Rudy Gestead and Jordan Rhodes as the, the senior striker. So, uh, and with Leon Best and DJ Campbell coming back from loan spells. Obviously, DJ's uh, situation is complicated because of the alleged uh, match-fixing thing that's hanging over his head. So it'll be interesting to see if there's any charges levelled over the summer um, and uh, what happens with that. And then Leon Best, um, uh, you know, it looks like him and Boyer's relationship isn't the best. So no pun intended there. Uh, so, they, you know, he may well... A leaf. So if you lose Campbell and Best, um, then uh, we'll probably need to bring another striker in. I think you need three up front. And we've got young Dean Rittenberg, who's uh, done well for the uh, under-21s and has been on the bench for uh, on, on a number of occasions in the last few games. So uh, if Campbell and Best are, are to leave, then we probably need to bring a, another backup striker in. So really, there isn't much major surgery needed uh, uh, in terms of the squad. I think it's just about adding some quality to, to what we already have. And the key positions for me are right back, uh, a central midfielder who's more attacking and uh, possibly a striker if, if one or two leave. And then um, and maybe we can look at the goalkeeper situation as well uh, with Robbo and Keane and uh, Eastwood or if, you know, they might they might look at that as well, but they, I don't think major surgery is needed because uh, a lot of good work has been done uh, over the the last two transfer windows. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, um, interesting the names you're mentioning there. Uh, first of all, uh, Judge, uh, I believe that uh, Brentford are, are going to be after him. Uh, he's obviously he's been at uh, Brentford on loan, uh, scored the uh, the winning penalty. Uh, that took them up uh, last week. Uh, now, whether whether he stays or not, that's a that's a question. Uh, Kane is he going back to Chelsea, or are we going to look to keep him on? Uh, David Dunn uh, will will he get another uh, another year, possibly pay as you play, maybe? And uh, the other one, uh, a question mark again, is uh, Dabo. Uh, people will remember that uh, Eddie. Um, about ooh, uh, a month or so ago, a couple of months ago now, I guess, was uh, uh, revealing on the podcast that uh, the French press were uh, indicating at the time of his uh, of his move uh, on loan that there was a a, a deal to um, uh, take him on uh, permanently uh, if if he performed. And uh, that could explain why he hasn't uh, hasn't appeared at all uh, in in the last uh, three four months since he's been here. Um, perhaps they've just been looking at him uh, as a developmental uh, uh, player or project, shall we say? Um, what, what do you think of those uh, those four players? Uh, Judge Kane, Don Dabo. Yeah, Judge obviously has done well for Brentford. Um, he's scored some. Key crucial goals for him, and he's been a good performer for him. So, so yeah, they'd definitely be interested in in um, uh, taking him on on a full time basis. And uh, obviously at Rovers, um, I think Conway, Marshall, and King will be ahead of him. So I don't think he'll be too happy to be sitting on the bench. You know, he, he pretty much said as much in January that the reason he was leaving was because. At this stage of his career, he wanted to be playing regular football, and if that meant dropping down a division, then so be it. So, so yeah, I think that's one that Boyer will will look at and and see. Maybe think, well, maybe we'll we'll, we'll sell him then if if uh, if those three are going to be ahead of him. Um, Done. Um, again, I think this will be one where they'll discuss with the owners to see whether there's uh, money going to be. Uh, available to uh, give him a new contract and like you said I'd be surprised if he's given uh, a contract other than a pay-as-you-play kind of deal um, and maybe um, 
get him involved in some coaching as well. So that'll be an interesting one to see how it develops. Um, Dabo is a real weird one uh, because he's obviously not played for the first team at all. Um, and um, he, he hasn't even featured in some of the, the latter under-21 games. So it's weird he was bought in and not featured at all. So the only thing I could think then is that they possibly brought him in, as you said, and as what Eddie said, uh, uh, as a development player and to, to have a good look at him and maybe with a view to either signing him permanently or bringing him back for another season-long loan next year. So they've had this good look at him, get embedded in and then bring him back uh, on maybe another loan deal uh, for 12 months and get him involved in the first team. So that's a weird one because obviously he's not been anywhere near the first team. Uh, uh, he's been around the club and he's been training, etc. So it's not like he's been sent back to, to, to France or anything, but not been uh, involved with the first team. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see how that one develops. But maybe it might be another loan deal for, for, for a season. And who was the fourth one Kane. that you were asking about? Kane. Kane, yeah. Uh, honestly, well, obviously, he'd be going back to, to Chelsea because it was a season-long loan. Um, he's not really featured that much in the second half of the season. Um, uh, Adam Henley uh, came back from injury and uh, took that right-back spot off him. And then, laterally, uh, we've played Keane there. Um, so... I, I, maybe I can't see him coming back for another year. I don't think he's he was really good towards the end of last season. He, he looked like a real good player, but he hasn't really pushed on this year. And he did make a number of uh, mistakes uh, in that first half of the season, and, which were costly. Um, he's, he's I think he's a right back. He's quite good going forward, but uh, a bit suspect defensively. Uh, whereas Adam Henley is the other way. I think he's decentish. Uh, as a defender, but not very good uh, going forward. Uh, so, so you know, I think the right back is a problem area for Rovers. Whereas last year it was a left back area, this year it's a right back, and I can't see Kane coming back because he's not really featured much in the second half of the season. Well, uh, we look forward to hearing uh, what's happening uh, on the transfer front uh, as we go through the uh, close season. Um, obviously, the fixtures will be out too, usually middle of uh, middle of June. Um, there should be some details of season tickets out pretty soon, I would have thought. And uh, also, uh, in the next two to three weeks, the the key thing is uh, word from Pune on uh, what uh, what's going to be happening for the next twelve months. Um, see what uh, they have in store for us. Yeah, I think the next two weeks are critical uh, in terms of what's mm. going to be happening in the next 12 months. Obviously, the meetings in Pune yeah. will have a massive bearing on which direction the club goes in, really. Um, so it, we can just keep our fingers crossed that continued sensible decision-making is the order of the day and we can go in an upwards direction rather than uh, spiralling back into chaos. And mm. if I were the club... I'd get these season ticket details out sharpish because there's just a slight, you know, feel-good factor between the fans. Uh, we've just missed out on playoffs. They've end of the season, you know, we've won three on the bounce, twelve unbeaten. Just people feeling a little bit more positive about things. You need to cash in on that if if you want season tickets. So um, I'd, I'd, you know, they should really be getting them out as soon as possible because there is that bit of feel good factor between uh, the fans and you really need to cash in on that mm. yep. because I really can see season tickets dropping the sales dropping uh, again this year if if they wait too long and there's negative stories coming out again and then you know that feel good factor can dissipate very quickly so um, you know they may see a drop in season tickets mm. yeah Good. Right. Well, uh, thank you ever so much for coming on and uh, giving us your time, Cammy. Yeah, it's a pleasure and uh, nice talking to you. And 
Um, I don't know how frequent these podcasts will be over the summer because it's, um, I suppose, the situation will dictate podcasts, won't it, Ren? Uh, if things yeah. are happening, then we'll do podcasts. If it's quiet, then we maybe just have a couple over the summer just to keep things ticking over. Yeah, um, I mean, for me, the, the next real key event is going to be the Pune meetings. Uh, yeah. So I'll try and keep people informed about what's what's gone on there in the next two to three weeks. Uh, yeah. And then after that, it's uh, basically uh, uh, transfer window stuff, isn't it, over the summer? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and, uh, sure. and with the World Cup as well uh, coming up, obviously a lot of attention will be on that as well. So, mm. um, you know, that uh, usually a time where club football uh, goes on the back burner yes. uh, for a yeah. month or so. Yeah. So, so, yeah. That's good. Well, thank you ever so much again. And uh, to everyone out there, wherever you are in the world, do hope you do take good care. And uh, thank you ever so much for listening in. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.